0: All right, all right. We are here with Street Knowledge. Um, it's been a long time coming. I'm happy to see long everybody time. In the room right now. Long time. Welcome back. Um, so we're not gonna talk about how long it's been, <laughs> but first, just to get straight into it, I just wanna be—I just wanna say uh, that we have some special people in here this evening. Um, be able to have some dialogue and to talk about some things and uh, that need to be talked about and discussed. Uh, so. Without furthermore, I'm not gonna say too much. I'm gonna let these people these beautiful people introduce themselves and uh tell us and talk and introduce themselves and talk about a little bit about themselves. Let's yeah. go ladies first. Ladies first? Ladies first. All
1: right. You, want, you yes, hold this it? This is your mic, This is your mic. Yeah, you can hold, oh, it. We can hold it. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Hello.
2: Um Am I looking there? Am I looking at y'all? Whatever, yeah, yeah. however you feel. Don't even yeah, worry about that. Yeah, I look at y'all. Yeah, Don't worry about camera. All right, cool. All right. Um, my name is Desmond Gatewood, and um, it actually feels good to be in this building. This is where I took and retook some math classes. Um, I'm an eagle here at North Carolina. Or oh, yes. I was an eagle, sorry. Eagle alum. Always an eagle, I right, guess. Always. So I'm an alum. To the death, to the death. Yeah, I had to work through that. I was like, wait a minute. Am I okay? I'm still here. But yeah, so NCCU all day. This is great to be here. Mm-hmm. Any excuse, I have to come back. What you I, major in? I majored in English. I started out in Mass Comm, and I was just like, hmm, journalism. That just seems too much like the entertainment industry, and I don't know if I want to go through all that. So right. let me just switch over to something close. And so that was English and writing. Dope. Um <coughs> So while I was in school, um, I had a child, so that definitely made it harder but that's become definitely awesome. part of one of my identities and um one of the reasons that i love HBCUs because that mm. this is the only place that that would have been possible that oh wow just like pushed me through like that and
0: you, you being, know yep. become
2: part of my village with my child and mm-hmm. everything so um yeah so since that time i've i've gotten indulged in activist work um i grew up in an activist <laughs> household but i've deviated for a while i was like i don't want anything to do so early
0: on you weren't into
2: no
0: you didn't have a revolutionary spirit early on
2: kind of at some point but i i broke away
0: what set it off back off for you
2: um i did a short stint in teaching and Mm -hmm. i was just like public school no it was a charter school oh really in Um, durham or yeah yeah Come on now.
0: You, you can't, can't put that. Yeah, it's that. not disclosed yeah, like, <laughs> that. Yeah. I can't do all that. Well, we get busy down to the degree <laughs> up in here. But yeah, well, yeah, we ain't going yeah, to do, do that today. We will drop days if, if I, I can't but do we understand right. They've changed <laughs> since,
2: though. I'll give them credit. They've they've right. improved a lot and listened to the community and shifted leadership and everything. But um, during the time, it was, it was pretty difficult. I mean, I saw a lot of teachers and students um, that were dealing with the frustrations of systemic racism mm. um, and a lot of just... I mean, unfairness that our students have to be subjected to and teachers who care about them. Um, so that kind of let me know that, you know, there is a fight that needs to be fought for right. these young people um, that may not have a voice or may not have advocates. Their parents might be working class people that are working three Definitely. ships and can't Definitely. show up for them. Um, so it. it it really helped to solidify why activism is important for mm. me. So I moved straight from that into organizing, and that's basically what I've been doing ever since.
0: Right. Yeah. Public school – the the Durham public school system triggered that. I just want to put that on record. DBS. Mm. Okay. So – That's a in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That's right. Definitely. That's great. We're going to hand
3: the mic over to the next No, you yes. nah, can okay. he can okay. have my mic. Going on the cypher. Okay.
4: So – since you love hip-hop, right? Am yes, I correct? Yes, sir. I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah.
4: Yeah. No, no, but it's, it's going to lead up to that. Okay. 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 Okay, since they terminated affirmative action mm. and the CIA might have made transactions oh, okay. to pack the hoods with guns and crack to escalate a war that's black versus black. Mm. Now, we act like Lucky Luciano or a clone of Al Capone, but I wonder, who shot Big Pop and Tupac how many other brothers will be shot before we stop? Mm. Is it a hip-hop thing, the gangbang, or is this a game to put the chains on your brain? Mm. Who made you want to be gangster? It's not your culture. You're from Africa, mm-hmm. like a righteous Mandinka warrior, mm-hmm. Sundiata Kita, and Mansa Musa, mm. <laughs> like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am sent me to make you wake up mm. through my G-O-D and the truth. Take them checkers and bust them loose. Mm. I'm Minister Curtis Gatewood. Who said and, uh, the pastor can't <laughs> rap? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, bars.
5: <laughs> and that's hip hop.
4: That's hip hop. Oh my goodness. I, I guess okay. you can see I'm not a traditionalist. Right, right. Um, but I'm from a large family of 14 children, 10 boys, 4 girls. I married the most beautiful woman in the world, Odessa Burnett Gatewood. Between the Child two of moms. us, we gave birth to a brilliant daughter that I am just pleased to be. Where was your family from? So I'm not
0: you off? Where, where would you raise that?
4: Yeah, we were born, we were raised in Anson County, Waysboro, North Carolina, 50 miles east of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rural Waysboro. Right. And, um, and whenever I, most of us would uh, flee to Charlotte, most of the family tree. Uh, but I ended up going originally into retail. Mm. Uh, So by going to retail right out of school, they were sending me all over the place. And through doing that, that's how I had the opportunity to meet my wife. Mm. Uh, They sent me to Oxford, North Carolina, a little town I'd never heard of before. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, that's when I met my wife. And then after working in retail for a while, like Desmond, it had taken me out of what I believe I was spiritually rooted to do which was gospel. Mm -hmm. I grew up with brothers who were in NAACP. (laughs) I had a couple of older brothers um, where I was like the young, maybe around nine or ten. That's when I joined NAACP. And I would look over their shoulders as they planned a march or a rally at their schools to uh, protest the wrongdoings that were taking place there. So I had really been spiritually filled up Mm. with the consciousness of social justice and love for community, love for family. And so but when I got into the workforce, mm-hmm. I really didn't have time. Yeah. I had gotten away. I had kind of That's separated myself. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately I started to feel empty, like I wasn't really caring forward my purpose. And so uh, we ended up moving to Durham. That's where I married my wife. I joined Mechanics and Farmers Bank for mm-hmm. about five years, met the community here in Durham. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately I joined the NAACP, Uh, when I joined NAACP, I served as the economic committee chair for one term and the next term I ran for president and Uh, through the grace of God, I was, I was elected. It It was, it was tough because I was coming against tradition, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, though, I was like, probably was like the youngest president to be elected at that time. I was elected in 1995. How were you? Uh, I was probably just hitting 30. Wow. Yeah. And so, and, and one of the things that I'll be finished, one of the things that I said when I was calling to the ministry, uh, through community work, through uh, my love for people, uh, I asked the pastor if I could not do my trial sermon in the traditional church. I asked him if I could do my trial sermon in the most violent drug infested place in Durham. Mm. At that and time, that it was, with it was it took a few gardens. A few gardens, yeah. That that's was it at the time. So, yep. right. uh, and so <coughs> that's where I did my trial sermon on the streets. We've been on the streets ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that particular time, unfortunately, shortly thereafter, Jaquana Atwater, like mm-hmm. a, a, almost a toddler, was killed by a straight bullet through a drive-by. And, of course, that was when I organized my first mass march against violence and self-hatred. <coughs> that's mm-hmm. what it was called. And so that was when I emerged as president, organizer, working in the community. And then, of course, as I had the opportunity to give birth to a beautiful daughter, mm. she had no choice but to be pushed around in a buggy, going to marches, going to meetings, uh, being uh, the singer probably at four, five, six years old so, at I'm Freedom all Fund energy. Banquets. So she was getting that energy whether so she, she wanted was, to or not. She was born into the movement, brother. What yeah. can I say?
0: Yeah, she was born into
4: it. Yeah,
0: man. Yep, you know I wish I would have had that—the privilege of being born into something like that, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, man. It's, it's yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, man. Hell of an introduction there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I can, I, I wanted to uh, lead off with the question for you, and then um. We could kind of go, you know, if Don wants to ask, I'll add. And um, and I I just wanted to ask you. Uh, so what you saying you're not a traditionalist, uh, and you and uh, within the church you being a minister, I wanted to add through your journeys with doing this, were there ever obstacles you had to um, had you had to go, uh, get past with the uh with the, the church being opposed to what you wanted to do as far as it maybe being quote-unquote radical or being not Christ uh, to them or not Christian-like or not, you know, in a sense of the traditional ways of the church goes, especially back then, because, you know, I'm asking you this because now it is, I respect pastors and ministers that that do the work that you do because the church Black black churches kinda they kinda stray away from social justice now. Not kinda they do. Yes, and and so when I see that's why I wanted to thank you and yes, I do thank you again, Reverend Gay Wood for 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 your work because <clears throat> I know it I I know it had to been a struggle within that, but could you kinda like elaborate wow, and describe man. some of those things you had to go through <whistles> with that?
4: I love you, brother, for asking that because you know how difficult it could be and continues to be. Mm. It didn't just stop. Um, so one of my challenges is, and of course you almost explained everything for me, mm. because first of all, we do not preach from scripture that deal that deal with social justice and other uh, components in the community that I think would be uplifting to people who are struggling in the community. Jesus is often portrayed as a, caucasian person who was basically uh removed from social justice Mm -hmm. when the opposite is true and so what i've had to do the challenge i think is there's been this mindset it doesn't matter what color jesus is and all this and my thing is okay i'll give you that but does the truth matter Mm. so if truth matters then we should have a conversation right Right, exactly because the jesus i serve says "Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make Set you free. free. Mm-hmm. And also speaks to God as a spirit, and them that worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm. So you can't say that truth is not important yeah, right. in this conversation. Right. So now, now that I have your attention, now mm-hmm. can we speak about truth? Mm. Then that should matter. How was so, your
0: approach to them? Right, so, them.
4: so you're right. But it's, it's been very difficult. Like yeah. I said, I'm not probably one of the people that people are running around to have as their pastor or running around to get the big churches and that. And the big salaries and uh and all the other things that would come with the traditional church right and but jesus also describes that jesus says okay there would be two types of people there would be the good shepherd and there would be the hireling. Mm. the hireling will come he gets the money he gets all that and then he will run and leave the sheep to be scattered by the wolves mm. but the good shepherd is the one who would come and if necessary, he will lay down his life for the mm. sheep. So, I have to continuously the way I can get through this in other words, I have to continuously know scripture, I have to continuously relate justice with Jesus, mm. community with Jesus. Mm. Jesus's first sermon when he comes out, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, right. send me to heal the brokenhearted, right. preach deliverance to the captives, recover the sight to the blind, mm-hmm. set at liberty to those who are captive or oppressed. I have to always. Be in Scripture, yes. While I simultaneously help to open people's eyes, yes, and talk about how certain ministers that we glorify, yes, they're not really in the Word, right? Right.
0: And I'm glad, you know.
4: Just real quick to um build off of that,
0: Jesus and justice. And uh, it's it's funny you say that because the uh, first thing he wanted to do when he got elected is go to the hood. But so like but, you know, if, if Jesus, if he was to come back today, like you know, I don't. I think he would probably go to the hood. Like, I, I don't think that. No, nah, seriously. I think he would go to the people that need him the most. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So. That's how you had justice. The irony in that, right. You know what I'm saying? The, the Jesus and justice thing, how people, you know, you can't really, you know, separate the two because um, they go right, right, I mean, according to Scripture. Um, so I just seen some irony in that. I just wanted to, you know, that, that that's great. That's awesome.
4: To answer your question, it's been very difficult, mm-hmm. and it continues to be because of the magnitude of mass miseducation Mm -hmm. Uh, there's always this narrative that people would like to stay in the comfort zone Mm -hmm. and so it's always been pretty challenging yeah
1: I'd like to know um, what difference have you seen in the movement uh, since you've been involved in it Um, Mm -hmm. from you starting out as a member Come in, administrative, Mm -hmm. uh, retiring from administration. Mm -hmm. Like, how has the movement changed? Right, right. Uh, For both of you all. Right.
4: Well, let me let her start, and then yeah, I'll piggyback off her. (laughs)
2: Um, I'm gonna think of how has the movement changed since 1995, Mm -hmm. when when I was five years old. Um, (laughs) True, millennial. uh, I mean, that's true. I don't know. I was, I was pretty observant then. So, interestingly, um, and I think, so I guess this is appropriate, I've seen more of an incorporation of um, feminism in the movement um, since that time. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say incorporation, I, I might want to say an acknowledgement of it, because it's always been there, right. since Ella Baker, <laughs> since exactly. Fannie Lou Hamer, Diane Nash. I was even reading how Coretta Scott King was the one who first came out against Vietnam Mm -hmm. and influenced Dr. King to do so, and he was scared to do it. Mm -hmm. And she empowered him and said, you gotta go tell the truth, Martin. Mm -hmm. So that voice of the woman has always been there. Um, It's only, I think, recently that it's become more amplified and more centered. Um, And so I think that's one way that I've seen the movement evolve. Um, I think it's become more inclusive Um, I think younger voices are being heard. I mean, I think as he described, he had to kind of elbow his way in as a 30 year old. um, I think now um, there is still an intergenerational struggle where young people have to sometimes be a lot louder than I think they would like to be. Um, But I think that young people have recaptured that spirit of SNCC. The mm-hmm. Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and the Black Panthers, um, and have really started to put themselves back out front. Because um, right. I think there was a little bit of a period where, you know, the civil rights movement people were aging, yeah. and they wanted to hold on to that. Yeah. And they're like, "No, we want to stay Definitely. in power. We want to stay out front. And y'all, young people, be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all don't know anything. We were the ones on the front lines. And so, you know, I've I've literally um, been building with SNCC lately. SNCC veterans. Um, mm-hmm. And (laughs) we've had these conversations. We still have these conversations. You know, they're just like, you know, Black Lives Matter. And what is that? I mean, that that was like a conversation for a while. And I think they're starting to evolve and they're starting to understand, you know, why is feminism important? Why is queer black feminism important? Mm -hmm. Why is, um, you know, why is the Internet important in in organizing and mobilizing? Um, So I, I think those are some of the evolutions and the shifts that I've seen happen since that time. And Would then, you say that's pretty accurate?
4: I'd say amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. okay good.
2: Right.
0: Um with that with that being said, well, I I I want to ask this question first. What what um did you want to ask him? I want to ask a question about feminism. Mm. That's my question <laughs> <laughs> I relate. I relate. I relate. Go ahead. I relate. So
5: -hmm. But I don't really necessarily see it. We have to protect our truth as far as what feminism means as black women. And so we see I I have seen that a lot of white women they join the feminism train because it's for women's rights. But you know, when we're when as black women I feel like we're fighting for something totally different than these white women are not fighting for because they still have the privilege of being white women. And it makes me question whether or not had you ever seen previously and currently people what white people and women are taking advantage of that fight because black women have been fighting way longer before white women even thought about wanting to have a voice for
0: feminism right am i right or- <coughs> and it's and to so what's yes you want to know her stance on that right yeah on feminism at now in a sense of because it's like vice versa it's like vice versa now as opposed to women rights when the abolitionists was in the, in the forefront. Right. So yeah, what's your stance on, on that as far as that goes?
2: Um, I think that, so I don't necessarily think history repeats itself, but I think it moves on a continuum. But I think there are lessons that we can learn from the past. Mm-hmm. So for example, with the women's suffrage movement. Mm-hmm. So you had white women who were asking for voting rights for white women, but also making statements. Some of the same white women who were out front To say that um, lynching in the South shouldn't be criticized because they know how to handle situations best. Like, that's like a direct quote. Um, And they made a lot of problematic statements Mm -hmm. um, about Frederick Douglass, about Ida B. Wells. Um, And, you know, so there was this, you know, sure how brave of you to want to vote, but there's still a disregard for an entire section of the population. Um, and so it's kind of a contradiction. You you don't necessarily want liberation unless you're benefiting from it. Um, and then you had black women who were part of the suffrage movement who don't ever get talked about. Um, and I mean, there are entire sororities that got their start being in front of the feminist movement and were basically written out of history until they wrote their own history. Um, So I think today what we see, and I mean, to call a spade a spade, a lot of these voices I didn't even hear entering until Hillary Clinton lost the election. And, um, And I think we need to recognize it I mean, feminism, and and I try to be careful about this because there was a time where I was much more critical of it and I've tried to be like, okay, you know, some people have different entry points. For some people they get mad over things mm-hmm. and it's good to have them in the movement, but what they need to recognize is that they come from, like you said, a different place. Yeah. And uh-huh. the threats that we see, receive as black women, yeah. as poor women are completely different. Yeah. And even there is a, you know, there's sometimes like this, women get paid less. Well, white women get paid more than black women. I mean, these nuances have to be be talked about. And, you know, we have to talk about the incarceration of black women if we're going to talk about, you know, whatever else we're talking about. We have to talk about, you know, the the police brutality of of black women. We have to talk about the black women that are heads of households and white women not having to experience that. Not to cut you off Mm -hmm. real
0: quick. So do y'all check? Do y'all check? at the at do y'all screen these women when do y'all say black fem- I don't I don't see too many women say I'm a black feminist they just say feminist mm. and, I, and it, sometimes it kind of throws me I, I I leave the sisters alone I, I, cuz I you know I, I love <laughs> feminism yeah you know but you <laughs> no, I'm serious but I just I'm <clears throat> just want to know how do y'all screen I mean how do y'all just let like women as a collective when you say feminism I think of, when I see a black woman say feminism I'm looking at that sister, but if I see black women screaming feminism and they got other nationalities of women with them, mm. after what you just get the you know what you just said, you just touched on with on um, just the 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 history of how it really just it, y'all weren't inclu- we weren't even included, at a, you know. So I mean, how does how does that how do y'all how can y'all just come together as a collective in feminism of all nationalities? That's why I don't understand. I wanna say something off that too, because like uh, as a as a leader of Black Works Center Park, that's why organizations
5: that I feel like should be very intentional on saying the liberation of black people. Mm-hmm. Because for me I don't I don't have anything against any other color, any other race, any other um, you know, nationality. But when I'm
0: when I'm on the stands, I'm going to be really specific about the saying the liberation of black people. Most that is black feminists like that, about of black right? Is that that's basically what I'm asking y'all? Yeah. So
2: black feminism is its own thing, okay. and you, and there are a, I mean, and so I guess this is just you know I have to remember that I'm in sometimes my own circle in my own bubble. But black feminists—that is the feminism that I knew. I mean, okay. I, I the other feminism, I think. So I I just think there there is. I mean, so the, and there is also something that is specifically called white feminism, which even white women oh, wow. have begun to acknowledge is its own thing. Well, you know, it white feminism, historically, yeah, has uh-huh. undone itself. Like no one takes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that feminists do not take seriously people that identify as white feminists. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there, that is its own thing, and it has really nothing to do with feminism. It's about protecting the self-interest of a specific group of people, and so black feminism is about recognizing that feminism is necessary, but also a black liberation movement is necessary as well. Um, and that they can't be separate. And I mean, so I, I, I've, I've looked to black feminism, as you know, whether we're talking about Asada Shakur, whether we're talking about mm-hmm. Bell Hooks, Audre mm-hmm. Lorde, who have made these indictments on the white feminist movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that is, is true. Feminism is recognizing that women have a plight, but racism is also Involved in the plight of black women, and one cannot be eradicated without the other.
0: I'm glad you made that clarity. That was
2: awesome. I really,
4: yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) that was awesome.
4: I want to make one comment on um, white women as it relates to um, the overall movement. When I when I came into the NAACP, as I said, I came in as the chair of the Economic Development Committee in Durham. That was because beforehand we had started an organization, grassroots organization, called Establishment of Economic Equality. And one of the things that we found as a part of that organization, as we were advocating for African-Americans to get contracts from the city, uh, to shop at black, black companies and uh, businesses, we patronize African-American businesses, and so on and so forth. And one thing that used to b- would bother me, and I think we were probably, as a part of EEE, was we probably some of the first to bring this up we would go down to Durham City Hall. They would have what they called a minority, um, it was a plan a plan to give to disadvantaged and African-American. And they put a blanket over it to say disadvantaged uh, community whenever they would award contracts. And there, at that time, they did have quotas that they could require contractors to have a certain percentage that would come from the disadvantaged minority community. And as a part of that, Minority disadvantaged community, you had white women, mm-hmm. and and our point was, we were we were seeing where white women would would actually be eating off both sides of the tree mm-hmm. uh, of defense, because if they come in to get the percentage of the that are set aside as a white woman, it takes away from those African Americans who could have gotten it, and plus, mm-hmm. not only does that person uh, end up marrying a white man or living with a white man. I think there were even instances where white men would change their businesses into the names of their daughters or their wives and also wow. get that money. Wow. So there are some interesting things about when we're looking at white women versus black women. Mm. And, we, and, and and the thing that I would like to make sure that we do and I like what you said about black liberation uh, when you started talking about liberation or feminism or whatever. Because I think oftentimes, there is a the, the divide and conquer tactics that's being made. And it is easy to divide us along gender lines. And so we just have to be careful. We have to treat women right, we have to make sure we're doing everything black men that we should do right. and and back away from the patriarchy and and the, all the other things that would cause the black community to mistreat women. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we cannot allow the larger community to dictate who should be standing with women and and so on and so forth, because when they do the dictating, oftentimes it will come into the black community and divide us against each other. Mm -hmm. We need to always care for each other in every way that we can, children, women, whatever. We have to always be just, we have to be the models of justice. But at the same time, we cannot allow the enemy to divide us on gender lines. Mm
1: -hmm. So um, you mentioned um, student involvement. So uh, from what I know of uh, the movement, a lot of the momentum in the movement, particularly like in the 60s, came from young people's involvement uh, in the movement. Um, But since that time, I guess our progression toward liberation or progression toward justice, it seems like that meter is moving backwards and not moving forwards. Um, so, uh, my question to you is: Do you feel as though uh, moving that needle forward, or the cause of that needle going backward, is the apathy or the lack of involvement of young people in the movement?
4: Mm. Well, uh, I'm going to echo what my, some of the, what my <laughs> daughter said earlier. We have seen recently, and I would say with Black Lives Matter and other movements where young people have in fact started to emerge, and especially against police accountability, regarding police accountability, in areas where traditional organizations were not addressing. Unfortunately, <laughs> black young people were basically being left to fend for themselves. Yeah. And so we saw the, after Mike Brown's killing, um, shooting over, uh, and and others behind his mm-hmm. You saw the, the even road.
2: before Trayvon Martin. Yep,
4: yep. Trayvon Martin. In That's when the Dream Defenders. Exactly. So you started mm-hmm. to see an emergence of black youth into the civil rights movement or human rights movement. Uh, at the same time, however, um, we have to do more in the traditional traditional uh, civil rights organizations, whether it be NAACP, SCLC, or whomever. We have to do more to be deliberate and bringing in youth leadership, embracing that leadership and making sure that we, again, this is not a way to divide us. We have to have an intergenerational movement because if it's all young, uh, then we might miss out on some of the experience and the season that we might need. If it's all old, we miss out on the energy and uh, a lot of the intellect that we have in the young community. Uh, So, we have to be intergenerational. Y'all that's, too, that's y'all can
0: give a lot of game too. I mean, we yes. got you know, we're millennials, but but I mean we gotta get the game from somebody. Right. I mean y'all been through I mean <clears throat> did that answer your question before I get into what I'm about to get into. Did that answer your <laughs>
5: question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, the game, you know, we need that game from the OGs, man. You know, and right. yeah, it's a lot of young I've been moving the meter. I, I I believe that right, we see some organizations pop up. Due to uh, oppression and injustice and things of that nature. But but I think that things would have been a little bit because they still moving on this diabolical coin tail type tip. And like exactly. the OG, like you can kind of exactly. put them up on game, like, look, exactly. this is what they're going to do. This is how they're wow. going to do it. This is how they're going to move. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So that's wow. why I was just to add on to that. But a, a question I wanted to ask about uh, for both of y'all, I wanted to ask. How do you feel with, speaking about uh, intergenerational differences, how do you feel about the association with gay rights and civil rights, with you being being in the fire in, back in your time, and now it's coming into the LGBTQ communities and things of that nature, which <clears throat> um, I'm not biased to or anything like that. I'm just asking a question because you being a, a reverend and a minister, and these right. things are coming about in this millennial time. Right. Um, Hot, Do y'all debate a living on that, or do y'all have the same views on that, or is it do, are you okay with that being associated with civil rights?
4: Well, let me just put it like this. What I do has nothing to do with sexuality, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. I deal with justice.
2: We say gay. You're, you're, oh, yeah. gay yeah. Or gay
4: yeah. I deal with justice, period. Now, unfortunately, there are so many movements going on, the problem I see is that we are so busy being politically correct, and there are so many movements out here, the black people who are struggling and dying, who've suffered the most severe oppression over the last 400 years, falling through the cracks Mm. so i feel like if if there's an organization that would like to address the oppression of of lgbtq they should do it and i understand why because all of us are human beings and we all have rights at the same time the the organizations who would normally focus on (laughs) black issues and the problems that we face and and, and the magnitude which we face them Mm -hmm. seem to be diluted. And there are too many, we can't be all things for all people. Mm -hmm. So my thing would be, we need to get to the point where we have specific organizations dealing with and not deviating from various issues where we are being oppressed. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if we're not careful Black issues and black people are going to continue falling through the cracks. Because I support immigrant rights, I support LGBTQ rights, but I am focused on black folk rights because black people, as far as I'm concerned, never received anything. And we received the most severe oppression. Mm -hmm. Unlike our Latino brothers and sisters, who I would support, Mm -hmm. they were not robbed of their culture, robbed of their right minds, robbed of every possible thing that you can be robbed of and made slaves of and never paid That's back. That's a fact. <laughs> so my thing is, I have to be one who focuses on black folk.
2: Can I get my opinion? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't even think it's necessarily different. I just think it's a it, it could be a different vantage point of looking at the same issue. Um So... A lot of the organizing that I've done, and I think this is interesting because I think it's actually parallel to the question about feminism. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I've seen where queer black people or queer people of color Mm -hmm. have had to advocate for themselves within the queer movement for one thing, because for example, there has been the argument put forward that if there were not white gay people, marriage equality would not have ever been passed. If, if, if there was just the focus on gay black people, a lot of the push for gay rights would not even be existent. So it has really, the, the from what I understand from queer men, from queer women of color, is that white gay men have really been the central focus on what happens in the queer movement, which is similar, like I said, to if we're talking about feminism, how uh, you know the needs of white people are dominating the conversation, and that's the loudest voice. Um, I do think that there needs to be a focus on the oppression of queer people, just like I think there needs to be a focus on the oppression of women, even within the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when we think of people like Bayard Rustin, for example, who were gay and we never knew their name, even though they were they literally organized the March on Washington. And people like Dr. King would not have even gotten to the microphone if they didn't exist, but simply because they were gay, or like Ella Baker, simply because she was a woman. Even if they had more ingenious (coughs) ideas, even if they put in more labor, they were erased from the movement. That has to be addressed within the movement. And so that has to be something that cannot happen. If the movement cannot internally oppress and then fight oppression outwardly. And so I think that is the issue that a lot of queer black people have had is, I can't fight for you, brother, if you are gonna oppress me and silence me as well. Um, So I think that if we're gonna talk about divide and conquer, we have to look at it not just dividing against, you know, black men or straight black men, but the idea that there have been people who have historically felt like they have been divided against and silenced. Um, and so I think it's a conversation that has to happen. And I think that it's not just a conversation, but a practice that has to happen because I do agree that we are stronger together. And, but I believe that in order for us to be together, we have to acknowledge each other's pain, each other's erasure, and each other's suppression in the movement historically. Right.
0: Um, that's interesting. I just wanted to ask, how do you think on a solution to how do you think we could do that um <clears throat> being and I say that uh, in analogy uh, how back when the scientists was trying to prove genetically and debate that white people were superior to us mm. genetically so mm-hmm. how can we and how can we <clears throat> if we say to a gay person that's pro black and actively doing things in the community, we say, well, yeah, you can be who you are but you can't let you can't let it be known and out and outright like it's natural, because what we, we you just can't you can't you can't do that because it's not natural. Gen, gen, like they go into the same thing that they were going to like as if they were saying, well you can't you can't promote and say uh, uh, I'm, I'm black and I'm proud or or uh, uh, black uh, I'm the the original man or whatever you can't say that out loud publicly because it's you know it's it's you'cause you because you think it's natural, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not natural you're not the original man, you're not genetically the first person to so if we was to do like did you say like internal oppression, it's kind of like that's why i'm it's the divide is it's kind of it's it's a it's a thin line because it's kind of like like within the you're gonna have people who are like super religious mm-hmm. and they're gonna say, nah, you can't be outright gay in this organization like that because It ain't masculine or whatever. Right. Right. And then it's like, well, what you mean? How you are fighting against the beast? And you? So how do we come on a on a common ground with? Because it's so difficult to me with gay rights. Because like we can't wake up and say we don't want to be black no more. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't. So, and I'm not. And I'm that's not to discredit any homosexual person. I'm just saying. When they wake up, they can they can wake up in the morning and they can make a choice, or maybe they can't. I don't know. I'm not homosexual. I don't really know, but I know people will look at like look at it like that on a logical level, in a sense of that person could can make a change, as opposed to somebody like me who mm-hmm. can't. Yeah, you see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I I think so. What's what's fascinating is I think that from a biblical perspective, if if that is what we're using, one of the most I think resounded ideas throughout the Bible is this idea of not judging. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult for me to understand the issue that so many people have with other people's, whether you believe it's a lifestyle, whether you believe it's a choice, whether you believe they were born into it, if we are taught to not judge. Mm-hmm. And so it, to me, the I think the answer is, you know what what I see happening is people casting judgment. Um, before even the ignorance comes about, you know, about whether this is natural or whether it's not natural and and what about, you know, and when I say ignorance, I just mean like not knowing. So before that conversation even happens, the judgment is there. This person is sinning, this person's evil, this person's tearing up communities, this person is this, this person's that. And so I think that of all the issues that black people have faced internally and externally, I do not believe that anywhere on the totem pole this should even make the conversation of anything that's been detrimental to the black community. And if anything, I think it has been a divide tactic, divide and conquer tactic from white supremacy and Mm -hmm. patriarchy, which is where, I mean, white supremacy and patriarchy go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So the idea that they thought it was okay to oppress women Mm -hmm. in Western societies, that translated over to a lot of the practices of black communities and indigenous communities that have matriarchal societies. That, mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know this, that, that historically a lot of cultures from North America and even Africa had women at the center of their communities, so the idea of, of patriarchy was about inheritance. If you have my last name, then I can pass things on to you, mm-hmm. which is another um, branch of capitalism. So this is white supremacy and imperialism. Right. When we think about when we think about patriarchy, when we think about suppressing women, when we think about suppressing or oppressing gay people, that is more aligned with white supremacy right. than black culture. And That's we, not who we
0: right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, so with that being said. More on a on a um, not 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 to judge on a spiritual level. So we talk about us uh, sp- jurisdiction on a jurisdiction level, when maybe that party is now going to benefit off the same things as the people that like Reverend Gaywood has has fought for in civil rights, as far mm-hmm. as like gay marriage and mm-hmm. the benefits of having a spouse and things. And so <clears throat> I think. Do you think it should be a dialogue? Because and now, if we're talking about, now they're going to be able to benefit off some of the things that whatever gay like civil rights, they, they have fought for in a sense, and they really have not been through half of the struggle. Of, they haven't been through, you know, the hardships of those people, those oppressed people. Mm. And on a spiritual level, on on a moral level, of no, you don't judge nobody. It ain't, ain't none of your business. You can't cast no stone at that person. They want to rock, they going to rock. That's That's what it is. But when they start, when they you, like on a, you, like when they start benefiting off of things that somebody might be opposed to, and say like, well, how are they going to benefit off of this when you know um, they 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 just jumping into and in, they're getting the same rights I'm getting when I'm getting when I got when I'm getting married, and they just got kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so I think that there are a couple of nuances here we have to look at. We have to look at race, and we also have to look at class. So I think in the United States, no matter what the argument is, the highest class or the bourgeoisie or whatever, however we want to refer to it is always going to have first priority at rights, at, at um, privileges um, in this country. And, and I believe that the working class people who are at the bottom, who are the poorest and usually people of color, will always be at the bottom. So I think that when we chop it up that way, whether we're talking about feminism, whether we're talking about gay rights, whether we're talking about economic rights, poor people and people of color are always going to be the last priority in this country, and white people who are wealthy will always be the first priority in this country, no matter what we're talking about. And I think sometimes we can get in the weeds of you know what rights we're talking about at the time, but I think that that is is one clear issue and I do think that there is oppression of gay people I do think that there is oppression of women and I think those things have to be fought but they have to be fought in tandem with fighting classism and white supremacy mm. because that is an issue that's going to infiltrate every movement and that's an issue that's going to overshadow every movement. And until that's eradicated, mm-hmm. we can't really talk about immigrant rights in in a in a in a in, a, in an honest conversation because yeah. there are immigrants who have rights. Yeah. If you're an immigrant from Canada, you're not treated the same way as an immigrant from Mexico. Wow. If you're an immigrant oh, from oh, Ireland, it. you're not mm-hmm. treated as the same way as an immigrant from Rwanda. So so that that so we're not just talking about an immigrant's rights issue here we're talking about an issue of racism, a, an yeah. issue of Islamophobia, an mm-hmm. issue of xenophobia from certain places. If we're if we're talking about gay rights, we need to talk about the differences between how gay poor black people are treated versus gay white people who are rich gotcha. because that's an issue of white supremacy and an issue of classism. So gotcha. yes, it is it is something to take note of that a white gay person can emerge and can have this much power over the conversation and can have much more privileges than a black person of any identity yeah. would have. Um, so I think that those are those are um, important things to remember and I think as black people, we have to have this conversation around class because of this issue yeah. and we have to make sure that that is also not something that infiltrates our communities because the, the yeah. capitalism yeah patriarchy, they all go together. And they're all very damaging, I think, to all communities. Right. So,
1: uh, question. question. Then. So, you got all of these different, I guess, uh, segments of the black movement. So, we got the women, we got the gay, we got just general civil rights. So, you think that the stratification, the seg- the segmentation of the movement, do you think that is what's taking the power from us? Because, like I'm saying, this, this needle has not moved. Right. So, it's probably like 1950 (laughs) i'm saying maybe 1960 like this needle is going backwards so is uh, do you think like the segmentation of the movement into all of these cliques and 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 groups that's taking some of the intensity because i remember like i'm thinking like 60s it was just like black and it's all of us and we all trying to move
4: right and i think that's that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier when I was saying we have to make sure we focus on the movement, but it, 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 there is a legitimate problem or concern if we are going forward and we are stepping on people because that person is a woman or that person doesn't look or mm-hmm. think like I do or that person. So it, but, but, but at the bottom, at the end of the day, we have to take uh, some serious measures in happen to liberate black people in general right. because almost everything we're talking about black folk are going to hurt most right? i don't care if you're talking about mm-hmm. gay i don't care if you're talking about women i don't care if you're talking about men black people have not been liberated so that is a, an issue we have to address and we have to focus on like i said i think there are groups who can help to focus on some of these other issues uh i really do i, I, right I think that you know and i'm just saying and and we can collaborate our efforts at a certain times because the same people who are walking on, on women or, or black women, they're walking on black men. Mm-hmm. The same people who are walking on Latinos and want to keep them out of here and want to build up walls. They're trying to kick black men in walls like prisons. Mm-hmm. So they're all, we, we're dealing with a common oppressor. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Yeah. But as an organizer, I say, you have to be focused in your area. And if you don't, if, if if we don't have somebody specifically focusing on black liberation and black people being broken or, uh, out of the the chains of this extensive period of brutality, yeah. we're going to be the ones that fall through the cracks because we are the ones who've never received reparation. Right, we never receive our minds back from mm-hmm. being. Totally, yeah, the the total mental destruction of the black man and black woman and black child. And so we have so much we have to do that is, I would, as Dr. King would say, the urgency of now. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so there is an urgency, I think, within the black community that we cannot take a back seat in fighting for justice. We have to really be out front. We have to be uh, vigilant. And we also, again have to bring the real scriptures back to the movement. If people are gonna act like they're about justice and they're about church and all these other things, we Mm -hmm. might have to call some people out and say, wait Mm -hmm. a minute now, if the church is gonna be the place where we're putting all our money, all our resources, Mm -hmm. and and that's becoming an institution that's only standing after we've closed out all of our businesses, Mm -hmm. black schools have been shut down and we still have a church Dancing. Man, I respect I mean, you for saying that. I mean, going we. From a reverend, we. <laughs> <laughs> that was, nah, I was it's a show. Man. Look, look. We. Yeah, b- but the church weird. is going to have to be held to account, right? right. And like I said, it's not like this is just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I can quote scripture just like they can quote a scripture, say they can be shouting or whatever. I can mm-hmm. quote a scripture from Isaiah that say, warn to those who make unjust laws, mm-hmm. to those who issue oppressive decrees mm-hmm. that deprive the poor of their rights, mm-hmm. withhold justice from the oppressed of my people. So there's scripture that will support mm-hmm. us getting the church, people of, of faith involved. Uh, and, and like I said about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We, we love him. I said, but Reverend Dr. King, he did what a lot of Christians would not do. He read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And not only did he read the Bible, but he took action based upon what the Bible said. <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, if you ain't going to read the whole Bible, at least read the red, right? That's when Jesus is He's talking. talking you say you Christian, you shouldn't know what Jesus is saying mm-hmm. because Jesus, if you'll notice Jesus is not emphasizing a lot of this divisionist mm-hmm. stuff that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He's not having all these bad things to say about women. He's right. not talking about the gays and the homosexuals. Right. He's saying, when I was hungry, did you feed me? Mm-hmm. And he said the greatest law is to love God with all your mind, your heart and your soul. Mm-hmm. And then love yourself. Amen. As your neighbor. Now, if you can't love yourself or love your neighbor as self, if you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor as self. self So Jesus is making it really plain over here on one end of the totem pole, but people like to pick up on all the confusion Mm. and all the things that they can dance and shout and collect money on. And not really get down to the nitty gritty of mm. taking action in your community, making sure that people who are sick are being tended to, those who've been wrongfully incarcerated are being set free, mm. those people who have been. And I don't need to just tell people that you're gonna go to hell. You might go to hell if you die. I need to be trying to protect you from the hell that you're catching while you're alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's
5: that's
0: that's real, Reverend. Man, Reverend, to hear, to hear a Reverend speak like that, man, that, that 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 just gave me chills, man. 'Cause I tell you what. I watched that Trigger warning with Killer Mike, and that <laughs> Creflo Dollar said something that spooked me out. He thought he was off camera. You heard what he said? No, nah, I
1: didn't uh, hear I just started watching that show. But, yeah, I didn't see that oh, one. Oh,
0: that's going to bug you. I don't want to hear what Creflo said. I don't to watch I'm it I, I saw it, it, but I didn't hear he, what he thought say. He must
1: have thought the camera was off. We're going to save it. But um, I've been checking out Trigger
3: Money. I just wanted to ask. I mean, I've just been listening the whole time. Oh, did you, you?
0: have a No, you're about to, dro- no, he about to about drop it. You. No, I just drop. always do it. Yes. No, you're
3: crazy. Drop it on You yes. ain't baby. I'm so wise. Um, At what point do we hold ourselves accountable for a lot of stuff? A lot of the stuff that are, are we? What's the, what? What am I trying to say? At what point do we hold ourselves accountable for how we feel about the system that's in place? And why do we let it affect us so much? I don't get, I don't, cause I don't, I don't look at people and, and I don't look at somebody rich and say, I want what they got. I could care less what another person got in their pocket. Mm-hmm. It, it don't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. I, I know what I got to do, cause I, I think, I think our biggest problem as <clears throat> black folk is envy, mm-hmm. more than anything. And I think once you have envy in your heart, you start, you start making excuses for things mm-hmm. that ain't that ain't even really a, it's not even an issue. You just gotta, you, you gotta go get it at the end of the day. If you want it, it's avenues to go get it. But you gotta make the, you have to make those choices. At what point do we hold ourselves accountable for our choices? I, I think that's what I'm asking.
2: Yeah, um, so I think that the idea of fairness is something, it's very interesting. So it's almost innate that people respond to situations where they think they're being treated unfairly. That's not even something that necessarily has to be taught. That, that, Like, we have a sense of what fairness is. Even small children, if you give one child more than the other, the other one will respond. They understand what fairness looks like. And sometimes they will even stand up for other children if they believe a child is being treated unfairly. Right. There was a study done with monkeys where one monkey was given a grape, the other monkey was given a grape. And they kept doing that. And then one time they gave another monkey like a cucumber. And I don't think monkeys like cucumbers. Mm. And Or they do, but he started responding because he saw the other monkey getting a grape. So he, mm. he responded because he felt like he was being treated unfairly. Mm. And the, these are monkeys now. He, if, if he would have just gotten it by himself, then that would have been one thing. Because I think they, they tried it that way. But when he saw the other monkey getting something that they once both had, mm-hmm. he recognized, I'm being treated unfairly here, and then responded. I said that to say, there's my mother and child outside. <laughs> I, they were supposed to, uh, uh, okay. I said that to say um, that I think what you're seeing happen is an issue of fairness, not necessarily just an issue of envy. I think envy is something that, that is universal. That, that is not untrue. I think that people experience envy, people cast envy, but I think that what you're seeing when people are organizing and mobilizing is people talking about unfairness. And so if, if you see a phenomenon where people of color are being historically um, put at the bottom of the priority list, are being silenced, are being shot more than other people by police, are being incarcerated more than other people for the same crimes, are being um, suspended from schools at rates that their counterparts, even when they commit the same infraction, are not. when you see that people are literally getting paid more for the same job, when you see that your 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 ancestors have never been compensated for for things that, other people's ancestors didn't even, you know, have to suffer for and profited off of. When you see that you have systems of inheritance where you have people that are literally born into wealth and people who may work hard their whole lives mm-hmm. and not ever receive anything for it. Um, when you see that, you know, certain people are historically being prioritized over you, it's difficult to just wake up and go to bed and be okay with that. And I think that it it is, it is literally sometimes a matter of life or death. This black is what we're
0: trying to tell you, Don. This is what no, no, we no. trying to I mean, tell it, you, it's, bro. It's, it's,
2: be, it's beyond just comfort. Black people black people are dying at higher rates. Black women are more likely to die in hospitals, in childbirth. I mean, black people are less likely to receive quality health care. And in this country, unfortunately, how much money you make, how much access you have, how much the system prefers you, can literally impact your life expectancy. So, racism is, is a threat to our lives. And so, I think that we have a duty if we're going to merely survive, if we're going to fight for our children to not be killed when they walked out of the door just because they're black um, that we have to speak up and we, and we have to fight and I can understand, you know, there can be self-inflicted harm and there has to be this examination of self. I do think that Michael Jackson said something very powerful when he talked about if you want to make a change, you gotta be that man man in the mirror mirror. and, and, or you gotta look at yourself and make that change. I think that's very true. There are people that do very toxic things, but I think as a collective, we have to recognize, like he said, the, 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 the historical data, that black people have remained economically stagnant, no matter what we've done. We built our own communities. We had Rosewood. We yeah. had Wilmington. We had the Black Wall Street. We had, we had um, uh, Tulsa. We we've had these, but but right, we've we've had these places. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is. These places would get bombed. These places would get burned down. These places would get gentrified or contracted out. And so there's—it's literally been like black people have done everything from establishing HBCUs as being, you know, first generation out of slavery. Black people have done everything in this country that they've been told to do. We—I mean—and—and and still have found themselves in the same place. So I think that. Uh, I mean, some yes, people, yeah. there are different answers to that question and you know, we're on camera, so you know, like, but there are different theories that people yeah. have had about what would happen and, yeah. and what winning looks like. Yeah. And I think that is a conversation that has to be had. What yeah. does winning look like? Does winning look like buying back the block? Does winning look mm-hmm. like a black president? Does winning right. look like? So I think that, you know, we have to, I think that's a very interesting conversation that we have to have a conversation about what victory looks like. And and yeah, and I, I may differ from other people in that, but I think that I, I have, um, I just completed my um, master's in organization development and we talk about when we go in organizations, if you don't talk about the goal, it's very difficult to get everybody aligned behind something because yeah, you, you can talk about all these ideas right. and ways to work together, right. but, but teams disintegrate the moment that they realize they don't have the common goal. Right. So I think that that can be expanded to a people. If, if you recognize, wait a minute, you just trying to get rich, you trying to stop racism, you trying to survive, and we may not even really be on the same page, that can really create unspoken friction. Right, right, and stagnation. Um, So I I think these are all important points that need to be raised and addressed.
4: Can I say something too, because it sounds like I'm hearing you say, are we holding ourselves accountable to an extent? Yeah, basically. And that is an interesting question because a lot of times we think it's either or. Mm. You know, uh, if we look at our history, you saw, you, you had W.E.B. Uh-huh. Du Bois on one side, you had Booker T. Washington on one mm-hmm. side. And Booker T. was saying, hey, cast down your buckets where they are. Look, we already know about agriculture, we already know how to uh, right. plant gardens and do everything. Let's do everything that we can do right here. And then you had W. E. B. Du Bois saying, no, we need to go into politics, we need to learn more about the system, how mm-hmm. the system works, so on and so forth. They were both right. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. And see, we but we thought we had to choose. We thought we had to choose W E B and call Booker T and Uncle Tom because he didn't want to go with the system. Mm-hmm. And the same with Martin and Malcolm. You know, uh Martin was saying we gotta check out the system, we gotta demand that we get our rights, we gotta go down and march, and we gotta get all these people putting water fire hoses on us because they wanna make justice, they wanna break up the the, the oppressive system. And then Malcolm was saying, look. You know, we need to build up self. We don't have our own minds right yet. Mm-hmm. And if we integrate now, we ain't not even going to know who we are. So if we don't know yeah. who we are and we go in and dealing with them, that's only going to create more confusion. So we need to stay where we are and, and separate where we are and build ourselves <laughs> up. We need to build ourselves yeah. up. Yeah. So they were both right. Mm-hmm. So my point is we have to have balance. We can't just have all our eggs in the basket of going down and dealing with the system. We have to take care of our communities. Right now we have an, a crisis in our communities. We have a lot of black folk killing each other. Mm-hmm. So so we have to address that. We have to rebuild the village. We talk about the African proverb, it takes a whole village to raise one child. But the, the, but the village is tore up from the floor. Up. The village is gone. Mm-hmm. It's been destroyed. Right. Because we went out through uh, this fake thing called as if integration was gonna save us, right? So we, we we destroyed our own businesses, destroyed our own schools, destroyed everything that we had as of infrastructure within our Start own community. On each other, yes. And we started running behind uh, yes. white people and that type of thing. But we need there's nothing wrong with integration, but we also need to understand, we have to build our own. Mm. So we have to build simultaneously as we fight racism. As Desmond pointed out, there were times when we got all the stuff that we're saying people need to do in the self-help community. Black folk were building up Tulsa. They were building up all Mm. those Rosewood areas, but racists tore it down Mm. because nobody was addressing the racist system. So we have to address both. That's my point.
3: I feel you on that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think it's, but I think what I think is going to happen or has happened is it's been like a hamster, like spinning its wheel. Like you can build all the stuff you want to, but at some point there has to be a collective real effort to dismantle systems of oppression or it's it's not gonna matter like it's just gonna be like you know you pop up and then you get smacked right back down i mean that's what's gonna happen and that's that's the issue i have with a lot of the the buyback the block mentality not that i don't understand what you're saying but Mm -hmm. until you fight racism and white supremacy Mm -hmm. you can buy all you want to buy and they're gonna buy it right on back and they're gonna be like
0: all right so what's the
3: end game I, that's my like. I'm trying to figure out.
0: Okay, so Don comes from more of a place. No, no, seriously. No, no, no. I, I appreciate diversity and thought. I really do. Uh, no really, and I be feeling them because um, these are working for white supremacy. They're working for white supremacy. Like people that look like us are working for white supremacy. So it's like when we, like, when Reverend said. We were stripped of everything. That all that comes all the way down psychological to, to moral character, that being passed down to generations. And what he's saying is just like, are we doing? Like, what is what is the end game? Because it just seems like we don't even want to take accountability for working for white supremacy. Like yeah. we're work, we're working to exploit yeah. our own women. We're working for we don't care about having separate. We don't care about learning about injustices and who was oppressing us and who was the enemy and. And a hundred years of lynching, and we don't care about that. Mm. All we care about is the systems that they put in place to control us, mm. which is the system that you're talking about that we need to get away from. And it's, that's what he really. It's just kind of like
3: he kind of got what I'm yeah, saying. Like I, me personally, <laughs> me personally, I don't believe in the notion of white supremacy. That's just I was I just wasn't raised that way. Mm. I wasn't mm-hmm. raised to look at white people and say they got it all and we don't have it. Mm-hmm. My pops went out and did it. Mm-hmm. It, it it is what it is mm-hmm. my parents been my parents been together 50 years no 40. so i mean i i, I was just raised in a traditional house very conservative
4: mm-hmm.
3: i mean well, they just went that they, 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 they did what they had to do to raise their kids
4: let me say this uh while you're thinking about that i don't know if you're aware of it or not but i can't think of his name right now but during slavery there was a black man that was so rich in in north carolina mm-hmm. That he brought all his family out of slavery. He had over a hundred, maybe about one hundred and sixty.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I read about yeah. that. Yeah.
4: My point is, but if he had stopped and said, "Well, I'm making it," so why ain't there other slaves making it? Mm-hmm. If he had stopped with that, that would have been a problem. I'm saying, at different levels, we have the ability to achieve individually. Yeah. But a person has to look at the full community at some point and see if if I'm the only one out of uh, maybe 50 million people and there are 10 of us that we know that are doing okay, uh, what about those other 50 million people? Now, some must not be right. So Now, we made it through, but the point is we have to look at the larger community, and I think that's what happened after the Reagan days. Reagan made people think that, you know, you know, I got mine, you get yours. They right. broke up all that thought about unity in the community that you were seeing during Dr. King and all that. And then right. they start putting in the ex- black exploitation movies. They're replacing uh, the Black Panther Party with the Mac and Superfly and, right. and all those people. And, and cause you were rising, don't get me wrong, right. but the system was looking at that mm-hmm. and they, and they, and they made a decision to change the focus in the black community. And they did it through television, movies, and and you saw what happened with rap. You saw Mm -hmm. rap first came out, we were talking about how we love and how we compete and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the rap started talking about how we're gonna murder you, Mm -hmm. kill you, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and started gang wars inside the song. So I'm saying the system that we often underestimate is having more of a say over these things than we think. So we have to be looking at what the system is doing while simultaneously looking at what we're doing to build our community. So how
3: we why, why are we supporting the system if we know it's, it's messing us up? That's my whole thing. Like if you, can,
1: you know an to can, I, can you tag me you in? You don't think no. it's an alternative? Yeah. Like we don't know it. Like what else do we have?
4: See, that's the problem is when, when you do the slavery and you do the uh, mental and you don't give back reparations and you make sure you create a, a, a cycle of wealth on one side and you create a cycle of poverty and prison on the other side, then black people are not given as much choice about what system they're gonna be in. They're struggling. They're busy uh, struggling to survive. Right. So that's why the system, we have to deal with the system to an extent to survive but the problem is, we're not building and doing what we sh- we can through our churches, through our organizations. Uh, we're not providing the leadership. And I think at some point in a generation, I think it's emerging, and then a, a generation self stuff that I talked about earlier, I think we need to pull young people and older people together and start putting together it was really together interesting,
0: not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. he said, cause how he came up, like how he did, mm-hmm. because white supremacy is so wicked and diabolic, he don't even know he's been a victim of it. Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure, no, I'm serious. He don't, I, I'm pretty sure Don has came up. You no, know, I know for a fact you've picked up a collect call from one of your bros that was locked up or went to go. Visit one of your bros when they was locked up Or know a brother that was locked up Right? Okay, so that means that <laughs> You have you have either I don't know how, how close you were to that person But that means that you have been exposed to white supremacy Because black males, even though black people Are the less populated in this country As you know, were the most incarcerated Meaning that you were, you came in contact With white supremacy So my thing, I don't know how you came up But I, I'm just telling you that that thing is so wicked It's so diabolic and sneaky that you would think that you don't know. You would think that it don't exist. You would think that you would put you would just cause you didn't come up like that. But brother, it it that's how I'm just telling how wicked. That's that's your world. I understand, and and I'll be seeing your points. I really get it, and I, I I get it now. But I'm just telling you. That what we're dealing with this this beast that we're dealing with that we call white supremacy that you don't really see you that's what it's designed to do for some people you're not gonna see it so can I can I, I, um,
2: can I interject here because like I said in, in going back to like the organization development thing one thing I try to do is 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 get to solution oriented thing and what things and one thing I heard both of you say is like okay so what's the end game so I think we can disagree and get in the weeds about why we're here how we got here what about but but I think that the end game, um, I think there's like some symbolism here that we can go back to the beginning. And when I say the beginning, um, and I don't mean this in the, in the way that is like sensationalizing our African roots, because sometimes people are like go back to your roots, but they don't really know, say what that means. Um, I think that if we go back to, to certain indigenous cultures, whether we're talking about native people of the Americas or native people of Africa, one thing you saw in certain societies was a spirit of collectivism. And I'm not just talking about um, and so it's interesting because i've 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 studied a lot about Marxism and and communism yeah. and I think that there is is a is is something to be said for that but I think a lot of that is interestingly inspired by the spirit of collectivism that I think people of color in certain societies already have had and I think that mm. what has happened in the black community specifically about divisions, it has come along with class. Um, So I think that giving, and and Malcolm X talks about this, about giving one black person a little bit more. And so then that person may feel like, okay, well I've made it, I've done it. Um, And that, that creates its own nuances. When you see someone get a little bit more, Like you said, I mean, that can create envy. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have someone pulling the strings of dictating who gets more, who gets less, who gets to promotion, who doesn't, who gets chosen, you know, the light-skinned one or the dark-skinned one doesn't or the one with a little bit more education or the one, you know. These, this confusion gets introduced in the black community about, you know, like, who's better than me, who's not better than me, I'm I'm better than you, you know, you get respectability politics, I know subject-verb agreement, I have a doctorate, and so you poor black people over there who haven't made it out of the projects yet, there's something wrong with you, and so I think that what, what has to happen is there has to be even if some people come up and some people make it and some people make more money because of happenstance, because of working hard, because of getting the right opportunities, networking, talent, whatever, there has to be this idea that all of us deserve our liberation. And if, if one of us is not free, then none of us are free. Mm. And, and that has to be a mentality that is seriously adopted in practice, even if I make it. It's not to discourage anybody from making it, whatever they think making it is, but even if you know I find a way out, I have to make sure that my brother is not left behind. And, and that is that Harriet Tubman mentality of even if I free myself as a slave, I gotta keep going back and freeing 300 even if it means me risking my own life. Um, and I think that that is the end game. This idea that we all matter, that we all deserve. If, 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 if I see my brother or sister or whomever struggling, I'm going to help them. That is a mentality that I think um, is what winning looks like. The idea that we have realized we are all human beings, and we are all deserving of love, we are all deserving of respect, we are all deserving of our rights, and it is up to all of us to make sure that all of us get free.
0: And that um, to say, that that was a that was great what you just said, and I just want to say that that the end, speaking about the end game um, with uh, in America, that could I used to tell you all the time I thought we were doomed. And, uh, and I, then I had to reevaluate what I said and just thinking about um, just <clears throat> us, how we, how we populate America and how things could work out. We actually could live as a collective with everything that you said in a certain place and establish a certain place of land just like Israel did in 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 palestine i mean it, it's different i'm just using an analogy in the well, sense of what, what what could be the end game what could we do like bomb better uh you know well, us collective thinking uh,
2: occupying palestine right now so that's, yeah, that's what i mean i mean how they
0: how they went i'm talking about how they went and how they established that in a sense i'm just using that in the sense of how they established that land you know we could do the same thing in the sense of us as a people in america the highest part, you know i'm i'm just it's just an idea Israel, in
2: theory like the israel that they they say they are yeah, they're then, not the yes. invaders
0: but yeah you know, yeah the israel yeah, that, you know, what I mean? you know they say that the, they're a utopia that's, they, a, that's open to no, everyone not the, and, i'm not yeah. no not the invaders <laughs> i'm just saying how they just the land and how they did that that could be an end game solution for us in a sense so as,
1: a, as it relates uh to this end game can you can we really truly say that there there is a there is an end game when you haven't really dealt with white supremacy. So even if you do go to Israel mm-hmm. and set that up, white supremacy going to say, you going to wipe you off the map.
0: Are we gonna
1: do? But we're going to do what we did to you we're gonna in Rosewood. we going to
0: have Israel in America and we going to just bomb you. It. Exactly. Gonna we're going to wipe Israel. you off the map. So yeah. if can,
1: can, we, can we have this end game? Can we have this true justice? Can we have this true liberation? while we're still dealing with the existence of white supremacy. No.
2: And I'm going to tell you and I'm going to tell you what you're hitting on is white supremacy is a global phenomenon. Yes. So you cannot run you, no. cannot, you cannot hide in Brazil or, or Liberia. White supremacy and colonization can come anywhere. I mean, they right. lit, black people were literally all in Africa, and they came and colonized. it. Right. I mean, that's, that's precisely right. what happened, and that's what's happening all over the world. So until white supremacy and imperialism and capitalism are fought on a global level, right. and, and I think it's a global struggle, and I think it would be great to have black people start to look Overseas, at how this is playing out all over the world and Mm -hmm. form a collective struggle. And with the internet, and all other uh, things we have right mm-hmm. now, we can literally do that. Um, but the United States is is, is invading other countries, right. is taking out people's leadership and government, mm-hmm. and they're in alliance with, with other countries that are helping them do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that in, until that's addressed, it's gonna be very difficult. I mean, we can't just have our own little utopian society. Right, right. I mean, people have tried it and it, it doesn't work. You have to fight what is actually eating at you, or it mm-hmm. will continue to get disrupted.
4: In uh, game. You have to deal with white supremacy, number one. Okay. Um, one of the things Dr. King would say, he said the ultimate measure of a man or a person is not where they stand during the time of comfort and convenience, mm-hmm. but where they stand in the time of challenge and controversy. I think since his death, people have been looking for a lot of convenient fights.
1: <laughs> right.
4: They're not really going after... I gotta oh, keep that paycheck coming in. Exactly, Pe- people have gotten very convenient, <laughs> right? And they can walk around looking like leaders, right? In a very comfortable exactly. fight. I don't want to get shot even, either. Right, they're not even really <laughs> fighting. And so I think I think going forward, we have to go back and look at our history, what brought us this far, and cannot write that out of history. We have to look at it. Right. And one of the things that brought us this far was actually courage. Mm. It wasn't just faith. I mean, cause people now use faith to just pray. Right. Uh, but you have to pray and work. You see faith without work is dead. They, they forget to see that part in scripture. But anyway, so people are cowards for the most part. Yeah.
2: For the most part, you gonna say
4: most people are cowards? Come on, he we, the, it. we, yeah. So over, so over the past, so over the past thirty years, since the killings of Dr. King, Malcolm X, and all these other people that COINTELPRO Pro took out,
5: mm-hmm.
4: they were very. That was that was not just to only kill right, them, right. but it was to send a message. We got it. That if you <laughs> step out here yes, sir. fighting white supremacy, mm-hmm. we will kill you.
1: Yes, sir.
4: So. So it wasn't just that they took out some leaders that would have probably taken us a lot mm-hmm. farther. But the fact of the matter is. Exactly. Just like they did with the lynching tree, mm-hmm. when they burned that black man, they did it as a way to make sure you stay in your place. Right, right, and right. so we are not admitting the fact that there's a lot of fear factor. And why we are here where we are now and then take that ball and run farther. So, so, so my thing is this Uh, We have to identify the true issues that are facing black people. We have a candidacy coming up with president Folks running for president and all that and we never talk about reparations We never talk about emptying out those jails where we know black people are massively incarcerated based on bogus arrests, wrongful convictions Uh, We arresting black men for possession, uh, paraphernalia, and all this, and you got, and and black women, and you got white people out here now. If they got drugs and every kind of drug there is, now it's a health crisis. Uh, So we need to understand that we have been, uh, we've been filling up the prisons. We're being killed on the streets. Mm -hmm. We have never received reparations. Mm -hmm. We have to deal with the real issues of this generation. People marching around what Dr. King marched for is not the same now. It's not the same fight to fight for voting rights now as it was then. You would get killed for voting then. Now they're trying to get you on the damn bus and you won't go. So it's not the same thing. So the same people stand up here talking about voting rights, voting rights. You got people packed in prison. What are you doing about it? You got police officers killing your people. What are you doing about it? You've never received reparation for anything nothing but pass down, passing down poverty after poverty, every generation, what are you doing about it? Those are the new fights that we're not fighting. Mm-hmm. And it takes courage, they're controversial, but that's where we need to be fighting and that's what we need to bring, that's how we can connect the new generation into the old generation. But if you got the young people fighting that fight, the old people still up here talking about voting rights and all this other stuff, uh we have a problem. So this it's time for an intergenerational movement that would deal with the issues facing this generation. Oh,
1: that's why I appreciate you. Because yeah, you had the, the courage to stand and fight. I'm saying with a family. Like yeah. like like and this is your wife? Yeah,
4: and I talked and about it who you was and how And she
1: supported you. you, you, you <clears throat> yeah, like yeah, but did she ever say like baby you staying out there dealing with them people too much? I need you at the house.
4: Yes. <laughs> But, <laughs> we had that conversation, but 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 this, the fact of the matter is, we've been married for over 30 years. Wonderful. So, she understood there would be times that I had to do what God called upon me to do. Right. And she was willing to sacrifice simultaneously as I was sacrificing. Wonderful. She was sacrificing her man. She was sacrificing, yes. a lot of times, a paycheck, because a lot of times, look, Fighting for justice is not a big paying job. And
1: that's what the thing I was and, saying, and trying to say that, earlier.
4: Not only that. You might it, get locked up. Exactly. You get, oh, I've been arrested over 20 times. Jeez. So, and, and I'm not talking about you arrest for drugs. Right, right, right. I'm not talking about arrest for drugs. I'm just arrest talking about standing up for my rights. <laughs> right. Yeah. Going into places where the Constitution said I can go peacefully, but I was arrested. Real revolutionary I'm, I'm shit. i talking about real yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. The, yeah. Point, the point of the matter is, but my wife, Very has she been just some other person mm-hmm. she would have left me a long time oh, yeah. ago it had to be nothing but god mm-hmm. that brought me this woman and this child and that grandchild over there wherever she is yeah. And <laughs> god has been blessing me in ways that i could have never been blessed mm-hmm. with a paycheck oh. yo you know okay supporting i
0: gotta got ask one more question before we wrap it up i got What's i gotta got ask i'm sorry y'all so real quick it's a little flashback but i just wanted to know if you could go into detail, if, if you could go into detail about it and what, what was the result of it about the brother, it was back in 2015, Floyd Dent. Floyd Dent. Um, I think it was Salisbury, uh, he was in the chokehold, then had at least, uh, chokehold and he got beat in the video, just emerged recently. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not, it's it's it's, uh, yeah, that's another one. I was going. Yeah, I was yeah, going to ask—is yeah. anything recently been something like that in, like, in the state of North Carolina that you might have heard mm-hmm. about? But I just wondered to. Do you remember that Officer William mm-hmm. Melendez?
1: I've been fighting. Been, been fighting a long time. 2015. 2015.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm and mm-hmm.
2: i was smiling at baby.
4: I don't baby. remember that one <laughs> not not specifically, specifically, but I can tell you one thing: we were fighting. I can tell you one thing: we are still fighting. By the way. I didn't tell you this, but rather than just NAACP, I did found a 501c3 called Justice Ministration. Mm -hmm. And justice is the acronym for Jesus Uniting Souls to Increase Community Engagement. Mm -hmm. In other words, we keep talking about Jesus, but Jesus wants you to go out there and do something. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and it's a ministry. And out of that ministry on August 28, 2017, we gave birth to an organization called, well, a campaign called Stop Killing Us Solutions Campaign. And as a part of the solution campaign, what we believe, what we noticed is, we're getting all these police killings and all these videos that are coming out every day, but we're not really focusing on specific solutions and holding people accountable to it. Like even with the NFL protests, as much as I'm in favor of protesting the NFL, I don't think we had clear uh, objectives in the protest. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were saying, okay, we're gonna kneel until we have police officers making sure that they're screened. Mm-hmm. If we think that they're, we're gonna screen them for KKK uh, affiliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna make sure we give them a uh, test on uh, uh, how they think, whether it's coming out of the military or whatever, uh, what other ties they might have to white supremacy, uh, making sure that they have a certain amount of training, making sure that we have, there are specific things that we can ask for. Yeah. Making sure they go to jail when they shoot people. Yeah. Yeah. So the point of the matter is there are specific things that we could require as a part of the system as it takes as it it pertains to law enforcement until we build the communities where we're not dependent on police officers to the extent Mm -hmm. we do. Right. Because right now, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, we didn't I don't think I ever saw the police. Mm -hmm. We had, we had our own police, our grandmamas and uh, the cousins Anybody. and the neighbor. Those were the police. And so my point is, until we build that neighborhood back, we have to put some clear standards that we are demanding so that we're not just marching every time a shooting takes place, but in, in the meantime, between the shooting time, that we are actually saying these are the standards that we are going to fight for, we're going to stand for, we're going to die for, until they are implemented
0: extremely intelligent, daughter. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Des, I appreciate y'all coming on Street Knowledge Podcast. Don't we don't went over time. I don't even care. It was Wonderful. <laughs> it. it was worth it. Oh, we just kept going. Yeah, we just yeah, kept, we just going. kept it going. Yeah, it don't, it don't matter. We do what we want up here. Um oh, man, I I appreciate y'all, that, man. I appreciate y'all coming up here. You got a uh, family, though. Yeah, I, it was just a pleasure, man. I I, I appreciate all y'all insight, man. It was great. Uh, it was great. Hmm? Any Any parts? Thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Let her get a final thoughts. Oh, wow. All right, all right, cool. All right,
4: all right,
3: all, right. all right. Social I'll media just say, like, I've,
2: I've... So, as as much as I've, like... Uh, so, that's fascinating that you say social media, because I've actually... I'm trying to get off of social media. Yeah, I've you need to detox. my Facebook. Yeah, I feel you. I've deleted my Twitter, and I'm dangling by a thread on Instagram. That's my you. That's my drug right yeah. there I can't lie like
3: yeah you need, a, you need to you need to every now, now and then one. I yeah.
2: have to check in on the gram and crystal yeah. knows like I just <laughs> I just pop in and OD and yeah. then pop back out um but I, I I will say that I've really been on this tip of like trying to promote love like trying to promote self-love and interpersonal love, Mm -hmm. because it sounds really cliche, but I think, I don't know if necessarily love is all you need, but I think that love will answer a lot of the questions
3: that we're we're
2: dealing with right now. If you think about, if I loved this person, how would I treat them? I think all the answers come naturally. And Mm -hmm. I think that um, a lot of the issues with racism, with all the other isms, and with people being downright oppressive to other people comes from people not having a sense of self and a sense of love. So, I think that if we can teach our children to love themselves and start there and teach them to love other people, and I think it actually comes naturally. I think in some ways that's undone. Um, I think, I mean, children are very affectionate, very loving, very giving. Um, I mean, from birth, they, they, there have been studies shown that when children in nurseries cry, other children start crying. Mm-hmm and when toddlers see one toddler laugh, they'll start laughing. So empathy is actually more natural than it is something that has to be taught. Um, so I think that, that loving each other, understanding each other, um, but, but love specifically um, is, is, what, is what we need. And we need to love ourselves, we need to love our neighbors, um, and, and I think that would really resolve and it, it sounds so mushy. Like people don't want to hear that. They're no, like, no, I want to hear real. we need to revolt and we need to like shoot something and we need to like, <laughs> you know, we need to tear something down and we need to organize and mobilize. It's like, okay, I, I get you. There, there might be a place where, right, right, right. But, but love ultimately yes. it yes. seriously, I'm yes. not even just saying like, you know, passive love as in like holding people accountable. Yes. I think is still part of love. Yes. Like I, telling people about themselves and telling the truth. Yes. I mean, the Bible says, love does not envy and love is patient and love loving kind, but it also says love delights in truth. Yes. So you still got to mm-hmm. tell the truth. Um, so this is not to let people off the hook and just saying like, Oh, you know what? Come give me a hug, even though you're mm-hmm. oppressing me right now. But this is to say that it, it takes every single person taking that step of loving themselves and loving others. And I think that that would would really eradicate a lot of the issues that we see and that we perpetuate. I believe that hurt people hurt people and all these other things. And so I think healing ourselves from that and loving ourselves will really begin to, in a lot of the envy he talked about, the competition, the, the, I mean, just so many phenomena I think are resolved when we introduce love into the conversation.
4: It is. (laughs)
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah,
4: my my final words would probably say we need to pay attention to the issues that are facing this generation. Uh, the one the prophets who came before us—that's what they did. They were willing to die for our right to vote, to be looked upon as human beings uh, with dignity. They they died getting us off the plantation and all these other things. Now we're facing a new generation, and the prophets of this generation need to come alive we need to rise up Uh, and we need to identify the true issues of this generation and i would say number one uh, we must look at reparations most of what we're dealing with would have a lot to do with being deprived economically Mm -hmm. you're going to die faster if you've been deprived economically you're going to be needing you're going to have to depend on the system that he keeps talking about we should come away from Mm -hmm. you're going to depend on that if you don't have any economics so, but you're never gonna have any rep uh, economics if we act as if reparations is not a real real issue. Yeah. Because when you deprive my father, you deprive me. When they deprive me, I deprive her. Mm-hmm. When I deprive her, I'm depriving her daughter. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like you can just tear down one generation and rob them and act like that's the end of it. Right. So, number one. And what's going on with reparation right now is, see, people got discouraged because there's such a high percentage of people who are against reparations. But one of the reasons why Donald Trump is building a wall and all these other things is because America is beginning to become more colorful. Right. And so as America becomes more colorful, then the people who offer reparations start to become a larger percentage of the people. Mm-hmm. See, right now, white people, about 80 to 90% of white people are against reparations. But if you ask black folk, they're for reparations. If you ask Latino, they're about 50-50. Mm-hmm. So the more this country begins to become colored, then the more right. that 45% of white racists Who pretty much would have a lock on everything Mm -hmm. because let's just let's let's just admit it. Donald Trump gonna get 45% of the vote no matter what because you got uh, 45% of America's just racist. That's a fact. They're gonna do racism. Mm -hmm. All right. So my thing is, so they're building that wall. They're not building that wall to protect us they're not building a wall to protect us. If they want to protect us, they'll build a wall uh, against racist police officers. They'll build a wall against liquor stores and build a wall against these drugs that are coming into our community. Right. So they're not building a wall for us. They're building a wall to keep out people who look like us, right. all right? Let's be clear. Time, so, time, 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 time. So, time, time, time. so then the next true. thing, so so my <laughs> last you, thing is you gotta reparations. You got to cut it
2: off or he going to keep going. Like, like no, no. will be, be here look, all see, night.
4: She, see, she's long too now, but she's yeah. not you getting on me. But look, look.
2: You're the last person? Look,
4: but look. Reparations, number one. Mm-hmm. We need to deal with mass incarceration. People are being rocked. So I say reparations, the new gen, the, the, the new way in which we can be compensated. <laughs> then we can
0: learn how, what to do with them. Yeah. We had this conversation, we got to <laughs> know what to do yeah.
4: with yeah. yeah, 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 <laughs> but, but check this out. That's real. And we have people yeah. saying, well, look, we don't know how to figure that out. If they can figure out how to send somebody to the moon, they can yeah. figure out how to know when you owe your taxes and they can send you a lien and all these other things, they can figure out reparations, yeah, all right? Make no mistake about it. Out. Okay, so reparations, we need to make sure deal with mass incarceration. We got to deal with police officers that are murdering us. But these are things that are real. And unfortunately, those are the things that politicians don't even touch. Mm, don't
2: Amen. Even
0: all right. Give it up, y'all. Give it up for time.
3: Oh, you want to close out? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You're away from the mic. Street
0: knowledge. <laughs> I had to get I was into that. I was it's into that. All good. Class. I was it's all feeling good.
3: the spirit.
0: Dope. Yeah. So. Thank you Shout out Queen Curator. Shout out Jamal on the lens. We appreciate you, brother. You got a lot to appreciate hit Appreciate y'all coming. It was great. <laughs> we got to get out of here. I hope we can do it again sometime, and we will be in contact. Right. And those bars Street you knowledge. spit was fire. fire. <laughs> Street knowledge. Peace.